All right, well, we're going to get this thing going, and we're going to open up with some scripture, but I just want to say something really quick here before we, we do that. Uh, I was just sharing something with Naira. Naira is a seer. She sees things, and if you don't know what that means, we'll talk to her about it sometime. We won't try to teach everyone what that is, because I honestly don't know the full details, other than you have the gift of seeing things. Sometimes you see things in the spirit. Sometimes it's with your eyes open. Sometimes it's with your eyes closed. But I was talking with Naira, and I was just sharing with her uh, some of my weird stuff that I've experienced. Well, not weird. Some may think it weird. And I, I told Tammy this about a month ago, that I, I felt like the Lord told me that he's giving us permission to create the atmosphere with our words. Now, I know that might sound like, oh, what do you mean? Does that mean I can go out into the parking lot and, and just create with my words a Rolls Royce or a Ferrari? We're not talking about name it, claim it, you know, that you get whatever you say. Um, if you guys were around for the time with Steve and Wendy, well, Wendy Backlund wasn't here, Steve Backlund at the Global Legacy time, one of the things Steve often says is, you don't get something just because you say it, or things don't happen just because you say something. But things won't happen unless you say something. In other words, your words are really important. God has put the, the power of life and death in your tongue. The one who spoke the world and the universe into existence created us in his own image. And he's given us authority to speak to speak to circumstances, to speak to the atmosphere. We don't have to disqualify ourselves from what Jesus has paid for when it comes to our authority and our ability to speak to things and with faith believe that God is going to release something from his kingdom into the earth. He's given us permission. He's given us authority. It's what Jesus died for. It's what Jesus paid for. So when we say, well, Dave's not here today, so I'll say it for him. Good morning, kings and priests. Kings have authority. Priests have authority. There is power, there is anointing and authority that's been given to us in Jesus. If you're in Christ, you have a new identity and you have authority. And so we have permission from God. That's why it's so important to us adults, especially who have been worshipers for a long time. And we are like, kids, come on, kids, just step out and sing, raise your voice. Because we have discovered that there's something powerful released when we lift up our voices in, in song, when we lift up our voices in worship. Oftentimes, we'll open this meeting by saying, we'll, we'll quote a few scriptures. Uh, Psalm 22, I believe, says that he is enthroned on the praises of his people. In another version of it says, he inhabits the praises of his people. In other words, when you begin to release song with your voice, when you lift up your voice, even if it's just words or singing it, he comes and he rests on that. There's something about the Spirit of God resting and, if I could use the word, impregnating. He impregnates our words he puts life on our words. 
So when we speak the truth, when we speak the word of God, when we declare the praises of God, we're actually shifting the atmosphere by inviting his presence in. And we get to be the pipeline. We get to be the instrument that he uses to do that. We don't have to just go huddle down on the floor begging God to come do everything. He has given you and I permission to, to use, use his name, use his authority, because he's given it to us. We get to use it to shift the atmosphere. atmosphere. We get to use it to shift circumstances. You and I have permission to speak to sickness and command that thing to go. Now, does that mean that if it doesn't happen, that there's something wrong with me? If, if I don't see an instant result, if I don't see the atmosphere shifting immediately, or that I'm, maybe I'm not supposed to do this because I'm not getting instant results. There are some things that just take time and perseverance and warfare. Sometimes you just have to keep chipping away at that thing. You have to keep prying that thing off. Sometimes with sickness especially, you just have to, Amy can testify, um, yeah, the migraines and how Forrest prayed for her that one time and went after it and it lifted. But it took a couple times, right? three times. So we don't just pray once and be like, well, it didn't work, so I guess it's just not God's will. We hold the will of God up here, and we direct our circumstances towards the will of God. We don't condense the will of God to match our circumstances. So important. So we're going to get ready to worship, and I just wanted to encourage you guys, as we worship, as we lift our voices, I just want to encourage you to step out in faith and aim your words. Aim your words at if the song is singing about a circumstance or if it's declaring who God is or inviting God to do something inside of you. Aim your words at those places. Aim, it, aim your praise at him. Build a throne with your worship. Build a throne of praise for him to come and just trust and know that he delights in his people. He delights in our praise. He wants to come and, and dwell among us in our worship. In fact, he doesn't just want to dwell among us. He's already in you if you're a believer, and he wants to be released in a greater way in the room. So the more of us that participate and lift up our voices and release that presence of God that we each carry, the stronger that anointing will rest in the room. So why don't we stand up? We're going to read a couple of scriptures and then we're going to get right into worship. So we're going to do slides two and three and then four and five. So we'll just kind of read through these. Um, the first section is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 15 through 20. <clears throat> I'm distracted because I see a car coming in, but that's okay. Everyone can just join us as we start this party. So here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, this is Paul talking. With this confidence, I'm wanting to visit you before and after my trip to Macedonia so that you enjoy a second experience of grace. Afterward, I'm hoping you will be able to aid me on my journey to Israel. When I revised my itinerary, was I vacillating? I can't speak. Was I vacillating? Was I going back and forth? Do I make my plans with unprincipled motives, ready to flip-flop with a yes and a no in the same breath? 
How many of us, you know, we know that experience. We're like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Of course not, Paul says. For as God is true to his word, my promise to you was not a fickle yes when I meant no. Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he is the one whom Timothy, Silas, and I have preached to you. And he has never been both a yes and a no. He has always been and always will be for us a resounding yes. For all of God's promises, and all means all, all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in Jesus, in him. And as his yes and our part, our amen, ascend to God, we bring him glory. Now, before we go on, that's important, guys. When we know that the promises of God that we're getting ready to sing are yes, it's never maybe it's his will, maybe not. If it's yes, we know it's his will, then our amen, our agreement with the word of God pulls that truth into our earth, into our existence. It pleases him when his kids here on this planet say yes and amen to his promises. It makes him happy. Is that person coming in? Maybe we're going to have, sorry, I, I shouldn't get distracted. We need a new building where we don't have windows to the parking lot. So anyway, let's go on with one more scripture, then we're going to blast off. So this is from Colossians chapter 1, again, verses 15 through 20. He, Jesus Christ, he is the image of of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. If you're wondering what's holding your skin together, since it consists of atoms, it is the word of our king, Jesus, holds everything together by the power of his word. He is the head of the body. He is our head. Jesus is the head of this body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That word preeminent in the Greek is like a title that's been given to him. And I wrote it down here because I know I'd forget. It's the same thing as saying he is the holder of first place. He's the holder of first place, the superior one. Jesus Christ is preeminent. We're going to finish our worship with a song today that uses that word preeminence. You have the preeminence. He has the first place, the most highest supreme authority over everything. And he is our head. We are connected to him. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So this morning, we acknowledge the blood of Jesus. We acknowledge the blood of Jesus. I just wrote this down. I heard this this week. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Every single one of us in this room, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. There is not one of us that's higher or lower. We are all 
level before him. And at the foot of the cross, we know that the blood of Jesus has made a way for you and I to have peace, to have freedom, to have redemption, forgiveness, healing, reconciliation. The blood of Jesus has given you and I access to go into the spirit realm, to go into the throne room of heaven. That's not here on earth. It's in the heavenly realm. Where that is at, up, down, uh, sideways, wherever it's at, or whether it's just in the center of who you are because Jesus lives in you, you have access to go in the spirit into the very throne room of heaven as we worship by the blood of Jesus. And I want to encourage you, go in in that place of worship this morning. So let's just pray that. Jesus, we come right now into your presence. We come right now in the Spirit, by your Holy Spirit. We come into the throne room of heaven. We come to the Father, and we come to you, King Jesus, and we come by you, Holy Spirit. We come to worship you. We come to lift up praise and thanksgiving to you. We come to offer up our lives to you this morning. In fact, we know in your word that offering our bodies to you as a living sacrifice is worship. So this morning, we just give ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you in response to what you've done for us. We give ourselves to you this morning, Jesus, because you gave yourself for us, that we would have reconciliation to you, that we would have a relationship and new life in you, that we would have access to your kingdom and your treasures and the inheritance that is ours because of your blood. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for what you've done, and we give ourselves. We, just, we present our bodies to you this morning in this place of worship, in Jesus' name. God, you are our joy and our delight. You are the one true king. God, we love you. You are so worthy. God, all that we are, God, we give to you. God, every breath, everything we do, God, God, it's for your glory. Just bless you, God. We love you. Let's just continue to remain in the atmosphere of worship. And if anyone from the ministry team has anything to share, please come up. Any testimonies? just wanted to say, um, <clears throat> as I was in the shower today and speaking to the Lord, and um, I guess it's going to be hard to articulate this because I haven't really um, thought it out, but I just felt like when Scott was saying um, that we're all on an even playing field, this is so true because he's growing in each and every one of us, but in being the body, 
sometimes we act as the head, sometimes we're the hands, sometimes we're the feet. But it's kind of a humorous thing, and I was thinking about this today, is because we also need our armpit, right? And sometimes we're the armpit, and I'm glad to be the armpit, to stand back sometimes, and sometimes we have to do that to submit and surrender. The armpit helps the body. <clears throat> you have to have it. And each and every one of us are in this body and joined in this body, and we all have a part. And sometimes that part is fluid. And when there is a need, someone steps up to be the feet, the hands, the armpit, the heart, the speech, eyes for somebody, or burden bearers. So we are all part of the body, and no one's above anyone else. Josh, Marissa? No? Emily? <laughs> Amy, do you have anything? No. That's <laughs> okay. All right. Did you have something or do you have a reason? Nope. It's okay to, uh, that was weird. It's like a bomb getting ready to fall. <laughs> it's a Holy Ghost bomb. <laughs> It's okay sometimes just to, you know, we don't have to fill this opportunity with lots of words to know what the Holy Spirit's doing. I don't know about you guys, but I just sense just a really strong sense of his peace and a, a sense of his peace in exchange for our surrender. So just keep that. Don't, don't turn your heart off towards that. Like just keep in that, that spirit of surrender. I got a message from Galen this morning, which was pretty cool. Um, so I'm going to read this out, and then we'll respond if we need to. <clears throat> this could be for people that aren't with us today, too. So we'll just, it's recording. So if someone listens later on and they're like, that was for me, then if you're listening right now on the podcast receive this word. So Galen said, I sense that there will be several people in your gathering struggling today with anxiety and fear. It's not as bad as you think. So I pray that anxiety and fear be replaced with peace and hope in the minds and emotions of those wonderful people today right now I speak peace to the storm in Jesus name I pray that all systems of their physical bodies will settle down and function according to the design of our creator so if that's you if you came in today with anxiety and fear and you want a little more extra ministry besides what Galen has released in a prayer over us then you can stand up and then those around you will just circle around you if you want it and if not no one's standing up so it's not like there's a hundred people in here and at least you know in a hundred there'd be at least one or two people so I guess you're all doing good but I'm just going to pray this anyway over us so in Jesus name I just release the peace of heaven Jesus Christ, you are the Prince of Peace. 
You're the mighty God. You're the everlasting Father. You are our wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace. Come riding into our storms. We invite you this morning to come riding in to our storms with your peace. Release who you are. Just your presence causes fear and anxiety to go. And we just speak to the source of that fear and that anxiety, and we say, let hope arise. Let hope be replaced where that fear and anxiety has taken root. And we just uproot it now in Jesus' name. We just pull that thing up, and we say that there's a higher truth than this current experience that's causing this reality of fear and anxiety. That what fear and anxiety are rooted in is not as true as the truth of what God says about your circumstances. So this morning, Father, we line ourselves up with your truth and we say, let hope and peace come in the name of our King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in Jesus' mighty name. All right. So I know I say this sometimes that we're going to just kind of keep this a little short and we're going to try. It's only 12 o'clock. And if, if we can keep it short enough, I just, I know last week we did this, and after we did it, I felt like oh, I probably shouldn't have done that song. And we ended with a, an extra worship song. And I don't know, in, in the moment, I just felt like it was God saying to do it. Maybe it was just me after talking for a half hour up here. I just didn't feel like diving into a real enthusiastic worship song. This is how we fight our battles, you know, but... Hopefully you guys were okay with it, um, but I, I do feel like this morning we'll, we'll have an opportunity. We'll just kind of sense what God is, is doing, and I, I feel like there, there is a song that could be our, our response this morning, and I, I feel really simple. I feel simply put, I don't feel simple. Isn't that kind of a negative thing? Oh, you're such simple people, simple-minded. That is negative. I feel simply put that God has a specific vein that he just wants to encourage us in this morning. And I feel like it is in that place of exchange with him. It's in that place of worship and exchange. It's in that place of, of the word this, this week that I got from him was pliable. Go ahead and put that um, slide up just to give a visual. Um, slide number 12. This is from Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. Most of you have heard this before. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, you our potter. And we are all, we are the work of your hand. You know, this is so true. Last week, two weeks in a row, we talked about the treasure that's in the jars of clay. You and I carry the treasure of heaven inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit who is the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, righteousness, peace, and joy, and everything else we need that is in the kingdom, healing, salvation, grace, and mercy, hope, strength, reconciliation, all of, I mean, the list goes on and on of what God's kingdom has. All of that is in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14 tells us it's, the kingdom of heaven is not about food and drink, it's about righteousness, peace, and joy, in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Spirit. So wherever the Spirit of God is at, there you have the kingdom. 
the rule of the king, the reign of the king. Wherever the king is king, you have the kingdom. So we have this kingdom inside of us. We have the treasure inside of these jars of clay. But the reality is we are jars of clay. We are earthen vessels. If you didn't notice, especially us that are aging, you know, we're, I'm 51 now. I look in the mirror and I don't look like I did 20 years ago. I, Facebook reminds me of what I looked like five years ago, 10 years ago. I'm like, oh, I looked a little different. Got some more wrinkles around the eyes and the forehead. Try to squint less, I guess. You know, I don't want to create more. You know, the reality is if you're young in this room, you're like, yeah, I just want to grow up so I can do things. I want to get out of mom and dad's house so I can have a car and drive around and pay my own bills. Because that's part of it too, by the way. <laughs> just so in case you guys were getting a little too anxious to get old fast. But anyway, we are earthen vessels. And we are in a process. When, when you're a believer in Jesus, when you come to Jesus, your life you're placing your life in his hands. You're entrusting yourself into the hands of the potter, the master potter. You're saying to him, Father, come and have your way. Put me on your spinning wheel. Take the, the water of the Holy Spirit. Saturate me. Soften the dry parts and just spin away. Shape me. Mold me. Do whatever you want. That was weird. My throat was doing something funny. I wasn't going to cry. Just... You swallow. Shape me, mold me, make me into what you want me to be. And if you didn't know this already, God has a picture in mind of what he wants you and me to look like. And we're not talking about our physical bodies. Welcome. Come on in and get cozy. You're good. It's good to see you. Um, it's, we're not talking about the outward appearance. We're talking about the shaping and the molding of your inner person. What is that inner person when it's just you alone and no one else is looking? When you're by yourself in that room or in your car or going for a walk or you're just laying in bed at night by yourself, that person that's just there alone and it's just you and God. It's just you and your creator. That is the person that he is interested in. The, the same character, the same nature of the, the, the spirit person that's inside of your flesh and bone body, that is the, the being inside of you that he wants to shape and mold and transform. Okay. Don't let me forget we have an announcement at the end of the meeting about next week. Um, let's see here. Let's just go through Romans chapter 8, slide number 10. Let's read some scriptures. Judy, you're going to get your Bible filled today, I promise you. We're going to go through these verses like mad, mad men. So this is Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven. Think of the potter, think of the clay. Every detail of your life is being continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers. Just rest on that for a minute. We're not talking about lovers like making out, okay? We are his lovers. He 
so loved you that he gave Jesus to die for your sin so that he could bring you into his heart, into his relationship with you, so that you could love him in return. So that's number one, I think, on the agenda for his heart, is that you would not only know his love for you, but that you would become his lover. You would become one of his lovers, one of his sons or daughters that is so madly in love with King Jesus, so in love with the one that paid the highest price, that gave it all, that you would find your affections, the affections of your inner person drawn to him like you just can't get enough of him, like you're just so hungry to go get into his presence, to put on worship if that's what it is, to crack open the Bible on your iPhone, or if you're one of those traditionalists, you crack open the written word of God, where you're hungry and you're thirsty just to meet with him and to, to spend time with him, to fellowship with him, to learn how to love him. Jesus, he wants your affections. He wants to win. He's, he's not a controlling God that would come in and force you to love him. He, doesn't, he didn't design you to be a, how do you say it, automaton? like a robot. He didn't make you just to be programmed, just I love you, God, I love you automatically because I'm yours. No, he wants it to be a genuine affection where you strive towards him. When I say that, I just see that picture of the prodigal son running home to the father. And the father's arms are open wide. He comes running towards the son even before he can get to him. That is how much he loves us. He wants us so much to be close to his heart because his heart for us is good. His plans for it, we sing it. I know your thoughts, your plans for me are good. I know you hold my future and my hope. Your promises never fail. He's so good. He's not angry with you. He dealt with your sin on the cross. The wrath of God was poured out on the cross of Calvary. Jesus said before he gave up his spirit, it is finished. Boom. Microphone dropped, but it wasn't the microphone. It was the veil in the temple. Ripped in half. There's no more punishment for sin. So quit seeing God as angry with you or disappointed with your mistakes. He's a good father and he has wrapped you up in his son, Jesus Christ. He has called you son. He has called you daughter. He has credited the righteousness of Jesus to you so that when he sees you, he sees the perfection and the righteousness of Jesus all over your life. So that doesn't mean, though, that you're let off the hook and you can just live however you want and be a schmuck and, and be annoying and just blatantly throw your sin all over the place and you know, be a jerk. Or a jerkette. Is that what a female jerk would be? I don't know. Hey, it's a good word. I'll own that one. You jerkette. Uh, you stinker. We're not, that's, God has not called us to do whatever we want to do. Mercy and grace are ours, and where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. But we are not to use sin, or we, excuse me, we are not to use grace as a license to sin. You want your license, little lady, don't you? You want to drive that car car. 
God gives you a license of grace, but it is not so that you can drive full speed ahead into all the sin that you can pull into your life. That is not the will of God for you. But the fact is, Jesus Christ made available to us grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. It's not like there's barely enough to cover your sin. No, there is more than enough to cover your sin. But whom the Son sets free is free indeed. When you get freedom, when Jesus sets you free and the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you, a reno job is taking place inside of your heart, inside of your spirit. And this is the reno job right here. We'll start back to that yellow part there where I stopped. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born. He knew every rotten thing you would do. And he knew every proud moment you would have. He knows everything. You cannot hide anything from him. He knew it all before you were born. Yeah, there's, you can't surprise God. He's not shocked. He's not like, oh, what did they do? Oh, my gosh. He already knew it. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm still going to let you be born. I'm still going to let my son pay the price for your sins. He knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us. You have a destiny. You and I have a destiny. He destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. God's plan is to make you like Jesus. Not look like Jesus with the long hair and the beard, because that's probably not exactly what he looked like. Blonde hair, blue-eyed, surfer dude. Yo, that's the Mormon Jesus. He's the blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy. Our Jesus, he was a Jew, but if you read Revelation chapter 1, you can see what he looks like now. It does not look like anything on earth. His eyes blaze like fire. His hair is as white as wool. His voice sounds like many waters rushing. His face shines brighter than the noonday sun. He is so shocking to see that when John, the apostle, saw him, and he's the guy that was Jesus' best friend, the one that laid against Jesus at the table, you know, the one that he knew Jesus loved him the most, he's convinced of it. That John, when he saw the resurrected Jesus, fell at his feet as though dead. And I'm telling you now, if you and I saw Jesus right at this moment, he's in the room and we don't see him, and so our response to the reality of him being with us in this room right now isn't drop down on the floor like you're dead. But if you just had one glimpse, if the, if the heavenly realm was ripped open and you saw him in all of his glory, you would have brown trousers. We'll just say that. <laughs> that was just for you, Amy. No, you don't have brown trousers. You got blue jeans on. Anybody wearing brown? No, just kidding. You would fall at his feet as though dead. You're going to be like those in the book of Revelation who let's, let the rocks fall on us. Let's go hide in the caves from the, from the dread of the coming of the Lord. Now, thank God, you and I will be brought to him before that great and terrible day of the Lord. We will get to see him face to face. And our physical bodies, the Bible tells us, will experience an actual transformation. We will be changed. Snap's not happening. We will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And we'll be caught up together 
with those that have died before us to meet the Lord in the air. And I bet that's the song that'll be playing on the way up. <laughs> Sounds like elevator music. Yeah. We'll be going up. We'll be like, oh my gosh, we're all here. We're all naked, but we're not embarrassed. And our bodies look different though. And we're going up in the elevator and then all of a sudden we step out. Welcome to the cloud room of the throne of Jesus. <laughs> Come and meet your king. And we will see him. Okay, it probably won't be like that, but the scripture does tell us we'll be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we won't go before those that have died before us. We'll all be caught up together with them. And we will see him face to face. And we will be like him. <laughs> I need to record that. Like, <laughs> That was good. Why did we go into that? I have no clue. Oh, because we're destined to look like Jesus, to become like him, to have his likeness, to share in his likeness. This means the son, Jesus, is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. So God's plan is to transform you and I, to mold you and shape you to become more and more like Jesus. Let's see here. We're going to skip around just a little bit. So let me look at my notes. Well, let's look at slide 11. That's the next one down. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17 through 18. And this is what I felt like God showed me this week, and it led me to this scripture. I just felt like he said, in this place of worship, this is the place where you're most pliable. He told me this. When I'm in the atmosphere of worship, I had a, a mini encounter. I was just delivering mail and I was worshiping and I, I was seeing myself in his presence and I felt like he was taking me to a special place in the spirit with my eyes open, but I knew I was just walking with him. And my automatic tendency was just to want to fall down at his feet. And I, I knew that there's, there's times where we just need to fall down at his feet and there's times where we need to stand before him and ask him questions or listen to what he's going to say. There's times in your quiet time where you need to ask the Lord for direction. You need to ask him what he thinks about you. You need to ask him about your situations, your circumstances. You need to ask him questions. And then you need to take that time and listen to his response. You'll find it in the written word and you'll also hear it when the spirit speaks to you. So there's a time for that verbal exchange. But the place where you and I are most pliable, when we become the softest clay, is when we fall at his feet. We just worship. That is the place where he can just shape your heart. This scripture tells it as it is. 2 Corinthians, now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord, there's freedom. You feel like you got chains on your life? You feel like you're not free? You need to invite him into that place and to bring freedom. He is the chain-breaking king. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. Nothing, no more shame, no more covering ourselves and separating ourselves between us and God. You get to come boldly into his presence, the veil removed from your face. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. 
we are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When we encounter the Lord face to face, nothing between us, all barriers removed, we begin to reflect I don't know how it happens. It's a spiritual process. But when you are in the presence of God, you change, not him. He never changes. And we can't, our spirit person inside of us can't help but be transformed unless we resist him and run out of the room. Picture a family room setting. And you've got your kids And you know your relationship with your kids is really good. It's really sweet. And you you know they love you. And they're like wanting to run up and climb up on your lap, snuggle up against you. And then there's those times where where you as a child or your own children are at odd with you. They're at odd? At odds? At odd with you? (laughs) Sounds weird to say that. I don't use that word, I guess, much, so... When you're at aught with your father or your children are at aught with you, they're just, there's a division, there's a breakdown of connection. And you can tell that the love, the love connection is, is broken. There's something that has broken it and they're separated from you. What do you want more as a parent? What do you want more as a child than to know your parents are so pleased with you and they love you unconditionally even if you mess up, enough to that they just can run freely. You can just run freely and climb up with them and snuggle in. What causes that separation and to go into another place and pout and feel like they hate you is actually a a place of believing lies, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. He wants to bring you and I into the living room. He wants to bring you up on the couch Maybe it's not a living room. Maybe to you it's going to be a meadow or this special place that God showed me one time. It's like one of those Hawaiian secret places where there's a waterfall and water. I saw it. I stood there naked. It was pretty wild. (laughs) And I heard angels laughing. So you can do whatever you want with that one. (laughs) And then... I started laughing though. God showed me, we were in McMinnville in worship and I was just like, this is wild. I I could just see myself in this place. And I heard him say that this is just for you. (laughs) And then he brought my wife to me. Now don't let your brain go weird because nothing else happened except for me crying. In in the real world, I started crying and I was just, then I wanted to just like hold her. Anyway. Take her to Hawaii. Yes, and go find a waterfall. Prophesy. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, in that place of just being still and quiet before God is that place where you get revelation. You get the answers you need. You get walls torn down. It's so important that we actually slow down during the day and take some time just to listen to him even if it's in the car and you're driving and just be like God just speak to me talk to me you'd be in the shower it could be anywhere you know yeah I always get downloads when I'm getting ready in the mornings but it's just 
we have to take that time and just listen to that still small voice and not yak too much. That's good. That, that one time I was brushing my teeth, not even thinking about God. And I was leaning over the sink and I heard my, my mercy is new every morning. I was just like, wow. I mean, it totally lifted up my spirit for the day. I was like, I got fresh mercy today. You may not even hear, so Tammy's saying you need to ask and, and look, listen for that wisdom. You may not hear words necessarily, but you may get a strong sense. We all hear in different ways, and you may hear in various ways, and God may teach you to hear him in a new way. You might begin to just smell or hear or taste the goodness of God on something in your life. It's true. I was listening to a podcast this week. I was telling Naira about it, about discerning the anointing, discerning what the Lord is doing. He said it's kind of like when, you know, those cartoons where they put the pie in the windowsill and you'd see the, the fragrance of the pie wafting through the air and the dog is like, he starts floating to it. When you're sensing, when you're smelling what the Lord is doing, what is he doing right now? What is he on? After worship, I just could sense the peace of God that he was releasing in the room. And it drew me into that place where I realized he wanted to exchange. And Galen's word was a confirmation that he wants to exchange our, our stress, our strife for his peace, his comfort. He wants to uproot fear and he wants to put hope in that place. So we are the clay. He is the potter. So there's one other part that I want to make sure we, we connect with. Let's put slide number 13 up. I've heard this quote from Bill Johnson. Oh, you can't read that at all. Maybe you can. I'll read it anyway. But um, this is like from a year ago. And Bill talks about these two words that are in this quite a bit. He says, we cannot lose sight of the next generation. We owe our children and our grandchildren a life of purity, passion, and power. We need to show them what it looks like to be tender and broken before Jesus. We must burn for long, I can't say that, Longevity, <laughs> longevity. <laughs> My gosh, I am a high school dropout, so that probably explains that. We owe it to a generation. We must burn <laughs> for longevity. What was I saying? Longevity, <laughs> long divinity, or something. We owe it to a generation. Power and purity. God wants to infuse your legs, like the legs on a person holding your body up. He wants to infuse your legs with power and purity. I'm convinced of it. You know that he wants to give you the Holy Spirit's power. And you know what happens when impurity comes into your life. What, what is the first thing that happens to you when impurity comes? Shame. You feel shame. And what happens when shame comes in your life? It causes you to hide from God. It causes you to pull away from the reality and the truth of what he says about you. 
So when we invite impurity, when we invite sin and darkness to come in and have, a, have an opportunity to, to take a place, to get a foothold in our lives, shame reaches up and grabs your foot and it pulls you into that dark shadow, isolation. So, yes. I really believe that God's going to use our church to show people who they are with their identity and a new wave of purity in our lives, in the church. I feel like our church is going to like restart this whole process. That was a prophetic word that someone gave our church about a, a renewal of virginity movement type of thing. Something like that. I don't remember that word now. Yes. That's right. It was at the Backland Conference. That's right. I'm just going to read a couple things I have written down regarding that. So, Bill Johnson on power and purity. It's not about rules and regulations. I'm going to repeat that. It's not about rules and regulations that would turn our relationship with the Lord into a list of do's and don'ts. This is not what we're talking about. When we talk about purity, we're not saying hold the Ten Commandments up and you better obey. (laughs) Because if you don't, you're going to fall out of your salvation and you're going to hell. That is not good theology. That is a setup for failure because everyone falls and they mess up and then they got to figure out where they're at with the Lord all over again. When we teach them that kind of stuff, it causes hopelessness to root in. It's not about rules and regulations that turns our relationship with God into a list of do's and don'ts. It's about being so in love and yielded to Jesus because he is so in love and he yielded himself to the cross to win us over. Our part is to reflect. We are reflecting and representing him as we get to know him and his character. We are reflecting him and representing his character. And it's so important, even in the secret place where nobody is watching except for him, it's so important how you reflect him. He cares about your heart. This is not a game where We're just to put on our Christian purity walk in front of people, but when we're all alone, we are a different person. God wants to know you in the secret place. He wants to know you when it's just you and him. He wants you to to taste and see that he is so good that you'll fall in love with him. Because really when you learn and you know and experience his grace and his love and his, his plans and his heart for you, you can't help but want to fall in love with this God. He's not scary and angry and ready just to push you into hell at the first slip. He's provided a way. He's made a way for you to come into his holy place, to be transformed by his power in his presence and by his love. He's given you a new name, a new identity. And when you aren't walking in an experience of that reality, it doesn't mean that that reality is not true. It just means that you're having an experience that doesn't line up. And so that in itself should be the the thing that pushes you back to him, back into the Father's arms. So I also have laid down lovers. 
I think that's a Heidi Baker thing. She talks about God just wants us to be laid down lovers. Now, don't think, you know, sexual relationships. That's just weird. God wants you to be laid down, a lover of God. Just lay your life down at his feet. Like Mary, you've got your Martha and you've got your Mary. Martha wanted to just serve, 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 make sandwiches for Jesus that he didn't ask for. Mary, Mary, she's found the better thing, and it's not going to be taken away from her. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that part. It's not going to be taken from her. It's like he loves it when his lovers want to spend time at his feet. He loves it when you and I press into his presence and want to go have time with him and just commune with him. Yeah. Lovers get to be in the living room, the secret place, the throne room, at the feet of Jesus, just like Mary, wherever you, that looks like to you, close up on the couch. He loves our love and obedience, just like an earthly father. He wants to crown our purity with his power, his anointing. He wants to crown your purity. So the purity is your part. You get to be the one to, to cleanse yourself of stuff. Not because it's a list of do's and don'ts, but because you love him and you don't want to offend him. You want your life to smell like Jesus. You want the fragrance of Christ to be so potent in your life that people are like, man, I just feel heaven when you walk into the room. You carry his presence so well. We're going to end with one scripture and maybe we'll worship. Maybe. Uh, sorry, I'm looking for it, but they don't even know which one it is. Yeah, 14 and 15. So this is from 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to do 20 to 22 first, and then I'm going to have one more slide after that that's going to actually jump back to verse 19. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 to 22. In a palace you find many kinds of containers. And in an elevator, you hear music that makes you want to get raptured up into heaven. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and... Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Is there a mute button on that thing or a silence button? We'll, we'll be done in a moment. You can call them back. Um, tell them you got something more important right now. <laughs> Why don't we do this, guys? Why don't we stand up? I think we're going to read this scripture and we're going to just blast off that last song. I think, it's, I think it will be a good response to this word. So in a palace, you find many kinds of containers and tableware for many different uses. Okay. Y'all got kitchens with cupboards, lots of plates and cups, right, Clayton and Emily? Lots of stuff in the cupboards, yeah, plates, platters. Some are beautifully inlaid with gold and silver. Some are made of wood or earthenware. Some of them are used for banquets and special occasions. This should be speaking your love language, Emily. She wants to be working in the kitchen presenting beautiful things. Banquets and special occasions. Some things are for everyday use. That's why we just leave it in the sink and don't wash it. <laughs> Next slide. <laughs> but you, Timothy, must not see your life in ministry this way. 
your life and ministry must not be disgraced. Maybe this word was just for me. I'll be honest. I need power and I need purity. (laughs) I got probably a very holy woman in the back row there raising her hand. It's for her too. At the foot of the cross, the ground is level. (laughs) All have sinned and all fall short. But we don't want to stay there. Your life and ministry must not be disgraced. For you are to be a pure container of Christ. Put your, if you can, put your hand on your heart. Just say, I just want to be a pure container of you, Lord Jesus. You can tell them that right now. I want to be a pure container of Christ, dedicated to the honorable purposes of the master, prepared for every good work that he gives you to do. Every good work that he has planned in advance for you and me to do. We want to be a clean, noble, royal vessel. Let's go ahead and look at the last one. So we're bouncing up now to verse 19. Run as fast as you can. This is for everybody, but this is for you young people too. Run as fast as you can from all the ambitions and lusts of youth and chase after all that is pure. Listen to the language there. We're not just like, eh, just, you know, fill your life with more good things than bad things. You know, then when you start filling your life with too many bad things, you probably should stop you know, watching the YouTubes and you know, the Netflix and stuff. No, he's saying run. Run as fast as you can away from the ambitions and lusts of youth and chase after what is pure. God can give you that desire to chase after the things of God. He has awesome stuff in store for every one of us. I am chasing after God. I raise my hand. I'm going to be a chaser after God. That's my life. 30 years ago, Christmas, I gave my life to him, and I set my my life on the course of chasing after him because I knew he was chasing after me. Sounds like a fun game, actually. He's chasing you, you're chasing him. It's like hide and seek because that's what kind of dad he is. Yeah. Whatever builds up your faith and deepens your love must become your holy pursuit. Whatever builds up your faith and deepens your love. Take an assessment, you guys. If there's stuff in your life that's not building up your faith, if you're listening to things that are dark and negative, then that's the stuff that we need. We need to turn the channel. I love how the backlands say, just turn the knob. Sometimes it takes a while to figure it out. In a new vehicle, he's like, I spent a half hour and the music was blasting. I had to figure out where the volume was at. We need to turn the dial on the station. We need to quit listening to the negative things. We need to listen to what builds up our faith and what will deepen our love. We want to get propelled into the heart of God. Let that become your holy pursuit. And live in peace with all those who worship our Lord Jesus with pure hearts. That right there, as we get ready to go back into one time of worship, one song, that right there is key. That we would pursue 
his heart and we would be at peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're going to worship. And then that will be the amen. I'm not going to come back up once the song is over. We'll just say amen.